Hello again, everyone, and hope you're rocking around the Christmas tree. Ah, well, it is the season for that. Welcome to the podcast called... I don't know. Episode 101. Mondays oh, yeah. with Mike and Mary. <laughs> oh, That's oh, yeah. our title. That I forgot. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for listening. This is our chance to reflect back on the most recent R-squared coaching calls and pick some highlights for you and ask the experts and a parade of techniques each. Do you have a parade? I do. I do. I do. Oh, good. You know, I love the spiritual work that gets done in R-squared. I think it's not... Sometimes sometimes it's not just a transaction or solving a problem with a FISBO or a, a, a pending transaction, something like that. It's, it's not just work, real estate work. It's the interior work. And we have a student that's been working really, really hard on her interior. Um, she said this, miracles are always preceded by faith. I'm going to say that again. Miracles are always preceded by faith. And so she said, I started expecting miracles. I started listening to what I was telling myself, how my voice inside was guiding my thoughts and my day and my actions. I started being conscious. Here's her words, paying attention to the thoughts I think. Now, we probably all heard that before, right? Thoughts are things from Think and Grow Rich. Um, Affirmations. How do you get out of a slump? Well, write some affirmations. Visualize your goal. All of that. She's really been working truly three years toward being better at not only controlling how she thinks and what she's saying to herself, but recognizing when she's off track, recognizing when that little voice in her head is not saying positive things. So here's a couple things that she's been telling herself. I think maybe all of you would enjoy hearing this. I am statements. I am deeply connected to each of my children. I am married to my best friend. I am happily accepting the opportunity to grow. Guess when she says that one. Uh (laughs) And she just kind of reminded us all that we get to choose what we believe. We get to see something that happens as good. She said, I told her, if you see a thing as good, it's good. Well, I don't remember saying that, but you know, Floyd says anything that happens happens in my best interest. So I I probably did say that because I really believe that, that we get to decide even when something seems like it's not a good thing, we get to call it good. We get to say everything that happens happens in my best interest. So control your thinking, at least work a little bit on the interior, because it's not just an exterior game. And when you work on the inside, it shows on the outside. Absolutely. I love that. Pay attention to what your thoughts are, because your thoughts determine your words. Oh, yes. Determine determine your actions. And your actions determine, can you say this whole thing? Is that what it is? Your habits determine your destiny. That's what I remember. That's pretty cool that you would remember that. I'd still be struggling for the words. What is the name of our podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I thought you meant the little name that we give it, you know, like episode 101. Well, I like the connection that your Parade of Techniques has to my Oh, I love when that happens. What's yours? Well, because one of the ways you pay attention to your thoughts is by journaling, by writing them down. 
and reflecting back on them every once in a while to go back over your journal, over your notes, because that's how we're reminded of the train of our thought, you know, the patterns of our thought. And I had somebody who said, I did all the homework for business breakthrough, all the assignments. And it was like mounds of paper. And then I went to business breakthrough, only hoping, looking to get two or three specific things and left with mounds, mounds of, of paper. <laughs> yeah. And it's all kind of overwhelming. Because oh. if you do all the assignments and you come to business breakthrough and you pay attention and take notes and really interact with everybody there, you're going to have a big body of work about your business and thinking about your business instead of working in it can become overwhelming, especially at the end of the year. So what did he do? He said, well, here's what I've done to get over the overwhelm. I just sit first thing in the day before I get to work and go back over my notes. Wow, really? Like he remembers where they are? Yeah, <laughs> no, in his book. I'm, I'm kind of teasing our book listeners. Look with the eyes on it. Remember that one? I'm teasing yeah. our listeners who maybe <laughs> haven't looked at that lately. Okay. Oh, you mean shh, boom. Yeah, something like that. What is that the sound of? That's the sound of the notebook going from one side of the trunk to the other and bashing into it as you go around the corner. Yeah, don't leave it in the trunk. Take it out. Don't leave it in that bottom right-hand drawer of the desk. Take so it he's out, looking at it look every at, morning. Every morning, yeah. Spending some significant time going over the notes, culling. Keep this, don't keep this. Act on this. And that helps inform the to-do list. Oh, I love that very much. And, you know, there can be lots of good ideas that don't have to be implemented immediately. Yeah. So figuring out your priority when, and your when, yeah. Exactly. For sure, yeah. See, when you let thought inform your to-do list you're way more effective way more effective oh like when the house isn't burning down (laughs) and you can actually think okay yeah love it let's go on to ask the oh i was hoping you would say that we have a student just happened to have attended business breakthrough as well and came away having had many many conversations about an expired campaign decided that he wanted to launch an expired campaign. So he came home. This is fits. Boy, look at how these are connected today. He came home with all kinds of ideas. I'm going to do this. And here's what I learned from everybody. And then paralysis by analysis Uh-oh. started to set in because this is a gentleman who is a thinker. You know, he's got a, He wants to analyze and he wants to do it right. And, and he doesn't want to move forward till he can. really makes a decision. <laughs> so how here's this question how do i how do i pull the trigger how do i make Mm. the decision Mm -hmm. how do i start what advice did he get he got great advice um he he got someone that told him set up a time frame you know it seems to me january 2 would be what you got to do he someone said make a list of what you're going to mail and figure all that out between now and the first of the year. You can adjust as you go, someone else said. You don't have to be perfect. Oh, what a concept. You can adjust as you go. Someone said, write out the steps. Um, And then I gave my piece of advice, which 
if you've been listening to these, I've probably shared it before, maybe even more than once. I just is the solution for me for so many things. And it's set a timer and grab a notepad and your favorite beverage. And maybe it's first thing in the morning, part of your morning routine, and you set a timer for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, and you dump everything out that's going around in your head that you're going around and around and around and around. And then you make a decision. And by the end of the call, um, this student committed to doing three 30-minute meetings with himself to structure, set out, sculpt his expired campaign with a launch, not on January 2, but on December 30, because lots of stuff expires on December 31. Yes, it does. I bet if you went back to one of our calls last December, I bet it would have said that, that people are doing their expired campaign at the end of this year, maybe staying up all night on New Year's Eve, maybe working on New Year's Day to make sure that you are the one that they that they choose, if you want it, first part of next year. So Schedule that for January 1st. Just do it that day. That's a great way to start the year. Yeah. So wow. he's going to have thir- three of those sessions by the next call. I'm so proud of him. He'll do it, too, because he said he would do it. All right. What about you? My number one goal is to figure out whether or not I should ever hold an open house again. That was the question? Yeah, because I got three listings this week, and they all sold for way over asking price. Uh, This is a real hot market that this is coming from. Clearly. Yeah, and the one that got the fewest offers was the one I held open. That's my number one challenge, is that I can't come up with a good reason to even bother holding open house anymore. So, he got eight good reasons. Oh, I could think of like eight sitting here listening. I bet our listeners can too. All right, let's hear So, why hold open house? All right. Reason number one. Okay. Because people are out there auditioning listing agents by visiting open houses. That's a good reason. Uh, Like to thank you on on behalf of ourselves in the group and hope we pass the audition. Yes. Oh yeah. So what you what that means yes. is you can find sellers at your open house. Just thought I'd clarify that. If they're auditioning yes. a realtor, it could be that they have a house to sell. Could be. All right. But that was reason number three. So don't get oh, ahead of so me. Oh, so be quiet and listen. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Here's reason number two. You will meet unrepresented buyers. Yep. Now they may say they're represented. Oh yeah, we're working with so and so. How come he isn't here? Is there some emergency? Uh, Have you actually met with him? I mean, really, there's a lot of people out there who are thinking they're being represented when they're really not. So you're going to meet unrepresented buyers. That's reason number two. Reason number three, you are going to meet lookers who should be listers first. They think they should go find one first. Now, maybe they're just getting a feel for the market, just putting their toes in the in the shallow end of the pool, if you will. But you're right. You will run into potential listings, sellers. Yay. Yeah. You're going to learn how to talk to people who are thinking of selling. That's kind of our job, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Number four, you will be engaging with the neighbors and the neighborhood. That's not all bad. Guess what? 
when one person in a neighborhood sells, <clears throat> a bunch of other people in the neighborhood are thinking about selling. Yeah, statistically. And what's our job? To talk to people who are thinking about selling. There's a little theme here. I hope you're catching it. Um, reason number five, you might sell the house. That's not all bad. Uh, reason number six, you're placating your client. True, serving them. This is what we promised to do. Showing them that you're working. Yep. Uh, number seven, your signs are out there. You're inviting the public. For free. Yeah. You're saying, I'm open for business. And you're getting your signs out there. This is a way to engage with the market, not just the neighborhood, but the whole marketplace. And then it was my turn. Is this number eight? Yeah. Okay. It depends. Oh. That was my answer. Okay. <clears throat> um, if you're a rookie or just getting your career started, or maybe you're in your first five years, I think open houses are an absolute. You're going to learn your inventory because if you spend time in a house, you get to learn the house. You get a feel for it. And that's what buyers do. They walk in and they try to get a feel for the house. Remember what Floyd says? People don't buy what's on the card. They don't tell you what they're looking for. They buy the first house they get inside. They get a good feeling for. He uses that word specifically. Um, so if you're young in your career, I think it's an absolute. This is something you have to do because it's our product. It's what we sell. And product knowledge is really important in the sales business. Mm -hmm. But in terms of where this particular agent is at the stage of his career and where this particular agent's market is, he's got a super heated market. And he's at that part of his career where he doesn't really need more business. He needs to take care of the business he already has. He's super successful, uh, has a, a really good book of business, has a really good networking marketing system. And I don't think he needs to hold open house at this point. I mean, if your listings are selling multiple offers over asking price just by putting them on the market, what's the point? Enjoy your Sundays or your Saturday mornings. You don't really need to. And remember what Floyd said about promising more than you have to to get the listing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't have to promise you're going to hold open house. So I think it depends on the stage of your career that you're at and on the, the, the quality of the market that you're in. If it's a superheated seller's market, then open house is not a necessity, I think. But other than that, unless those two things are there, I think open house is a great vehicle that's often overlooked because, oh, that's old hat or old-fashioned. Well, it's not. It might be old-school, but never confuse those two things, old-fashioned and old-school. Old-school means it works. It's traditional. And that's why it was the Ask the Experts question. All this right. Week. Well, thank you for sharing that. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope you'll tune in next week on iTunes or SoundCloud. And we love making these, so share them with others.